0: Hey, and welcome to The Living Stone, a digital ministry from Greystone Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Here's this week's scripture reading and sermon. I'm reading this morning from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 33. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The word of God for the people of God. There's an old European folk tale that dates back more than a hundred years. It shows up in France, in Hungary, in Russia, and Portugal and Germany, among other places. But even though its different iterations have different names, I first learned it by the title "Stone Soup." Now, there were many, many stories like Stone Soup that I learned in elementary school, but this one has taken up permanent residence in my mind. And I wonder if it isn't because of its strangeness, or maybe it's because of its simplicity, or maybe it's because of its persistent applicability. The story goes something like this. A group of weary travelers were making their way through a village when nightfall came, and they knew no one who resided there. So relying on the hospitality of strangers, they knocked on doors asking for a place to stay and a meal to eat. After hearing a round of no after no after no from the villagers who didn't think they had anything to offer these weary travelers, they regrouped and decided that if they were going to eat and sleep that night, they needed a different strategy. Standing in the middle of the town square, one creative traveler shouted out loudly, If only we had a large pot full of water and a fire to put it on, then we could make for ourselves some stone soup. Having heard the outrageous proclamation, the curiosity of one single villager was piqued, and they soon brought out a pot filled with water and all the ingredients needed to build a fire. Another traveler standing in the town square took a stone and cleaned it off and placed it in the pot of warming water. Now, their curious activities were starting to garner more and more attention from the townspeople as one of them, uh, one of the travelers, dipped her finger into the warming water and tasted it and said, Mmm, it is good. But you know what it needs? It needs a little onion. A villager heard of the need and realized that they had just one onion tucked in the back of their pantry. And so they hurried home and brought out that single onion to add to the soup. And after adding the onion to the soup and tasting it again on her finger, the traveler realized its flavor was improving, but it still needed a little something maybe a carrot. A villager heard of the need and realized that they had just one carrot tucked away in a basket in the back of their cabinet, and so they hurried home and grabbed the carrot and brought it back to add it to the soup. Now, this process repeated itself for quite a while, and each taste, each dip of the finger, and single Taste led to all kinds of ingredients coming forth from nowhere. Things like potatoes and salt and cabbage and butter, meat, tomatoes, celery, and the list goes on and on if you are reading this ancient tale. But the point is, by the end of the night, the smell was so wonderful and the pot was so full, it was almost overflowing. At this point, the travelers tasted the soup again and declared to everyone who had now come out of their homes to gather in the square that the soup was finally ready. With more than enough to feed the whole town, the travelers served everyone who lived in the village. And to repay them for cooking this delicious meal, the villagers found room to house the travelers after all. Excuse my Latin, but I believe the phrase is creatio ex nihilo, something from nothing. Or would the contradictory philosophy, ex nihilism nihil fit, I told you I'm not good at Latin, would that win the day, meaning nothing comes from nothing. Were the makings of the soup there all along, we begin to wonder, were they kept from the travelers on purpose? Or were they just obscured by a certain limited, or maybe we should say limiting, perspective? Like the parables of Jesus, this old European folktale may seem very simple and memorable, in fact. But a closer look seems to produce more questions than answers. This is exactly what we find in Matthew's 13th chapter. The whole thing is filled with parables about the kingdom of heaven, and even though we only read a small portion of the chapter today, we might remember the first one in chapter 13 is a parable about a sower, you know, one who scatters seeds generously, and then it is followed by a parable we know as the weeds and the wheat, and then finally the mustard seed, and the leaven, each short story doing what parables do, teasing our minds awake with questions about this kingdom that Jesus proclaims to be imminent. While closer examination of each parable might yield more specific clues as to what God's kingdom looks like, the one sweeping truth that we can trace through each and every one is this. Things are never As they seem. While the first two parables include images of grandeur, like a sower, like I said, who scatters a multitude of seeds across a broad terrain of land with more than enough to guarantee that out of all of that seed sowing, something is going to grow. And a field large enough to warrant laborers hired help to work the land. Can you see it in your minds? It produces a crop of both weeds and wheat, both large enough to be tied into bundles before their fate was decided. These first uh, two parables in the 13th chapter paint a picture of grandeur. But the next pair present quite a different scenario. Here, a different sower, appears to be holding the tiniest seed, almost cradling it in their hands. The tiny mustard seed there, uh, they take it, the one seed, and place it Carefully and fertile and protected soil. Can't you see it in your mind as you imagine the parable? And then that soil nurtures that one single seed until it grows and one day the sower comes back to it and looks upon it, perhaps with a little bit of surprise as that solitary seed has become a resting place, a sanctuary, if you will, for as some translations say, all the birds of the air. Then in quite the same way, a single woman standing in her own private kitchen takes three measures of flour. That's 60 pounds of flour, which for those of you who are not bread bakers, that is 60 loaves of bread worth of flour. And this single woman takes her little bit of yeast and works it in to 60 pounds of flour. Yeast which at the small granular level is so small that you can't even see it if you were to hold one piece in your hand, but if you mixed it with other grains of yeast and then added a measure of flour and then salt and then water and then that essential ingredient of time, the yeast would produce enough airy and risen bread to feed a whole town. I have always loved this chapter in Matthew's gospel. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. I love it because I love the outrageous nature of that first sower who appears almost irresponsibly generous. You know, he recklessly tosses the seeds all over the place as if there is no shortage in sight, as if they have found... a. a, a supply of seeds that will never run out. And for obvious reasons, I have always loved a story about a woman in the kitchen needing bread. And I love the fact that it made the cut, you know, the story made it into the final canon. But as much as I have loved these parables and turned to them time and time again, I found something new this time, and I want to share that with you. That's the beauty of the parable, You know, you think you understand it. You think you've made sense of it. But then you come back to it again and you notice something different. Because you bring a new perspective, a little bit different combination of life experiences. Maybe you are asking a different question this time. And in so doing, the hope is, the point is, that we learn something new about God and God's kingdom. And so this time, as I came to Matthew's 13th chapter again... Even though the first two parables are telling stories about abundance and the second pair paint pictures of a different kind of provision, it hit me that it's not in the first part of the chapter, it's in the second where that provision seems to be um, huge. We would expect huge provision from a sower that scattered a million seeds or a field large enough to warrant hired help, but it is not in those stories. It is the bread produced in the home kitchen needed by the hands of one single woman. It is a single solitary mustard seed that provides a home, a resting place, a sanctuary for all the birds of the air. And so I have to wonder this time, as we approach this text, with a new perspective, if for us today, for a people for whom bigger is always better, if we're honest, I wonder if in addition to the last being first and the first being last, I wonder if the gospel is trying to teach us that in God's kingdom, small is large and large is small. And if this is so, we may also begin to ask ourselves, though we feel like we are operating in scarcity, what if we already have enough? It can be so easy to think about all that we do not have or all that we may wish we had. But what if this has become our own version of that limiting perspective? the lens through which we view our lives and our ability to become more generous people, like that initial perspective of the locals in the story about Stone Soup, who didn't think they had anything to offer these travelers. What if we already have enough, but we just can't see it because the problems that present themselves seem too overwhelming, too complex, too out of our individual control? But what if we began to see through the parabolic lens that the gospel is offering us today, a new perspective that suggests even the tiniest little seed, when planted and rooted and nurtured and then fed by the sun, soil, and water, even the tiniest seed can become a beautiful sanctuary, a resting place, a home for all the birds of the air? What if we already have enough, but we just need to root our gifts in the ground of a bigger community where they can join and be nurtured alongside the seemingly small gifts that others have to offer? What if together those smaller gifts could grow into a larger gift, one that looks like the kingdom of heaven and becomes a safe place? for all who are looking for welcome, for respite, and for love. What if we already have enough? You know, there was another thing that hit me this time as I was looking at these parables with you in mind. There is a great measure of faith that is also required. There's a great measure of faith that is required to give when you don't think you have enough. It's the contrast of the two sowers that really illuminated this for me. When we imagine that first sower scattering the seed on every kind of soil, not worrying about each individual one, but rather operating in a sense of abundance, it's easy to see how one with that kind of abundant mentality might be able to be generous, right? So it is when we imagine the most generous givers in our own lives. Only the wealthy can give a gift that makes a difference, we might think. Or maybe after I get that promotion, after that raise that I have been working so hard for, maybe then I will be able to be more generous. If we had more, we think we could give more. At least that's what we tell ourselves. In contrast to the first sower, perhaps we resonate a little more with the second sower, the one that knows what it feels like to hold a tiny seed, to have it in our possession, knowing full well how hard we worked for it, the time that it took, how much it means to us, and how good it feels just to let it sit right there in our hands where we can see it when we want to. Perhaps then we also know how hard it is to let that seed go, to plant it in the ground, and to trust it over to the soil and the water and the sun who promise to do their work. But then one has to wonder, thinking about this, what kind of sower, giver, baker, or steward is God calling us to become? Today, we begin a series on stewardship. And it comes at a time when we are dealing with our own feeling of scarcity. Each month, we, like so many other churches and charitable organizations, we look at our budget and we wonder if we are going to have enough. Will we have enough to maintain this campus, these grounds, this sanctuary, which is a resting place to all who call North Raleigh home? Will we have enough to give to our mission partners and to help support their work in our community? Will we have enough to support and to grow our own mission and ministry here, building a faith community where everyone is welcome, where all are loved, where all are invited to come and see a little glimpse of the kingdom of heaven that might be breaking in here? Will we have enough? We want to know. But I would encourage us today to to shift our perspective just a little bit because that is what the parables urge us to do. And I want us to ask the question a different way. Instead of, will we have enough? I wonder, what if we already do? What if we already have enough? What if we just haven't recognized it yet? What if we just haven't recognized our tiny seed or our small measure of yeast, our solitary carrot hidden away in the cabinet or that single onion which resides in the back corner of the pantry, our large empty pot, our vacant unadorned guest room? What if we just haven't seen how our smallest resource could possibly make a difference? But what if all we need to do is sow our single tiny seed in the soil of community, trusting God and one another to provide the other ingredients needed to make a delicious soup, or maybe a large and impressive tree, or maybe enough bread to feed the whole neighborhood? What if we already have enough? We're just waiting on the courage to give and the faith to know that with God, the smallest gifts are often the largest. For with God, even a small, tiny seed can become a magnificent sanctuary. Lord, give us the courage, and may it be so. Amen.